My name is Abby Robbins. I use they, them pronouns. I am chatting with you all here from Austin, Texas, and I am an Enneagram 8. Bam. Nice. This is so exciting. <laughs> I mean, we, this is the only maybe real like Enneagram teacher we have on the podcast this time. Oh, around, cool. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the questions we've been starting with is when did you first get into the Enneagram and when did you first kind of discover your number? Which I feel like you can answer, but I'd also be curious, when did you start kind of integrating from learning about the Enneagram to wanting to teach the Enneagram? Yeah. So, I mean, I learned the Enneagram from our mutual friend, Matthias Roberts. Um, God, it must have been six or seven years ago at this point. Um, wow. We were friends growing uh, not growing up, but coming out in a very <laughs> small town in Arkansas. Like, we both kind of landed there, hmm. sort of happenstance. Hmm. Um, and... Um, I knew my type because Matthias just kind of all out typed me. He was like, <laughs> he was like now there is some, there is some, um, considerable disagreement between the two of us about where all this like took place and what exactly happened. But my version of the story is we were at our yoga teacher's house cooking dinner and I was like pestering a friend of ours and, um, she wanted to like do something with her life. And I was like, you just need to go and do it. Like, just go, like, stop. Don't be afraid. Just, and Matthias very rightly looked me in the eye and he said, you're such an eight. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it was very like, how dare angry you? And yeah. assertive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, how dare you? I don't even know what that means. Um, and so uh, then he kind of explained it to me. Um, and we, you know, like had that, had coffee several other times, you know, after and kind of like discussed it, he gave me some Richard Rohr audio <laughs> teachings that I kind of dove into. Um, and so, you know, the more I learned about the type eight, the more it resonated with me. Um, and I, I read through and like listened to the other types and, you know, I, I went through the whole thing, but um, nothing really rang as true as, as, Eight and really for me highlighted a lot of the struggles that I had had, mm -hmm. um, being you know assumed female at birth and um, living in the type eight structure is, um, I mean it's like a little extra challenging that people don't necessarily respond to you uh, very positively mm. um, because it, it, you're not supposed to be loud and in charge and. Uh, take up space and I was always doing that like it's just who you are there wasn't any other way to be you know um, so anyway I you know I started kind of working with the Enneagram a lot more intensely when I moved to Austin and um, I got hooked up with a church that taught it I and the kind of greater school of work that the Enneagram comes from so the Gurdjieff work um, and so I got really involved in that and there's actually uh, an Enneagram community that's been meeting in Austin uh, for the last like 20 years. Um, so there's a lot of depth <laughs> here in the city, which is really cool. And so I got really connected. Um, and after I started dating my partner, uh, my fiance now, um, she had two kids and I was like totally cool up until that point, like being a barista and just sort of like, totally skating by not really super worried about a career I had mm -hmm. you know I was teaching some yoga and I was you know slinging coffee on the side um but when we got serious for me it was like oh shit I have kids now um 
I, I, I need to, I, I need to provide, right? <laughs> like I, I, I need to have a career. Like yeah. I can't just like be chilling out, slinging coffee. Slinging part-time. coffee. I like that phrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, uh, I got really into teaching yoga, um, and started my yoga therapy program. And in the midst of that, I was trying to teach a lot of workshops. Mm-hmm. I was, um, uh, you know, like I, I'd planned out, I think it was probably like one summer I, uh, organized and, uh, set up and put all the stuff for like four or five different workshops. And, um, they all flopped. Oh, like no one showed up. Nobody was interested. Just like flat out n- nothing. Oh, that's it a was, hard it was like, feeling. Oh, it was so painful. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. shit is so good. Why doesn't people? And then and you're so excited about it. Right. I was, I was stoked. And so, um, it was like in the midst of that, you know, my partner, we'd been together for, you know, I think a year about at this point and a little over. And she was like, you really love the Enneagram. And, you know, she had been learning some of it with me. Um, and she's like, why don't you teach these two things together? Like mm. you're really good at it. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I looked at, I I straight up looked at her dead in the eye and I was like, nobody's going to come to that, but I'll do it anyway. Right. And, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine who owned a yoga studio and I thought this, this kind of intersection will, will work well at this studio here in Austin. And, um, he agreed, which I was like super surprised. I was like, okay, like it's one of the like top studios in Austin. I didn't expect him to like, let me do anything, especially Mm -hmm. after that kick to my confidence. Right. (laughs) Um, let me do the workshop and like had a huge turnout, like, and I was like totally blown away at how many people were so interested in learning the Enneagram and not just learning the Enneagram, but kind of learning what to do with it after you figure out your type. And that was really the jumpstart to my like teaching career. You know, I'd been working with the Enneagram for several years you know, just personally and like interpersonally with my fiance. And, um, then it was like that suggestion from her about teaching that kind of started it all from there. I started teaching more workshops and realized I really wanted to get like certified and be legit. And so I did my training, uh, about a year and a half ago in, um, like I got official a year and a half ago with the narrative Enneagram and, um, yeah, it's been kind of like a whirlwind ever since. That's when, you know, after that training, I started Conscious Enneagram and yeah. You've always been so interested in, in the Gurchev tradition and like the movement and the yoga. And, and the embodiment. Yeah. I, I practiced Kundalini yoga and I found starting that practice, like I started about a year and a half ago and I instantly was like, oh my gosh, this is inseparable yeah. from the Enneagram. Like what yeah. I'm experiencing here is what I read about when I'm talking about relaxing my ego and mm-hmm. so I, I love the way you're doing that integration work and intersecting those two because I think the Enneagram is so, it's missing so much when we're not embodying it and yeah. practicing with our, with our whole selves. Yeah, and it's so, um, you know, it, it, it so quickly turns into like a parlor trick, yes. right? When, when we don't have some sort of structure and some sort of practice around how have to engage with this, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, it's a, it's a massive amount of information and insight that, I mean, goes very deep into, you know, our psyches. Well, what do I do with this mountain of information? What do I do with 
this like newfound understanding of myself, um, you know, without some really practical and down to earth and embodied tools, it becomes just uh, like we put it on the shelf with everything else. Yeah. Right. It's true. And so, um, I think the Enneagram has a lot of potential for this kind of transformation, like more so than other tools, but not unless we actually engage with it in this way. Yeah. I think we've been re we, we do Enneagram episode every five episodes. And so we've been talking about the Enneagram for a long time, but even preparing for this episode, both Macy and me were like, wow, like w- looking at our numbers again and be like, I forgot about this and I haven't been really mm-hmm. working on that. And shoot, this is a good reminder. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> It, it is like a practice, you know? Yeah, it's a practice, and there's just so much depth to it. It's like, I feel like two years ago when I was first getting into the Enneagram, I was like, okay, I'm going to reach some kind of enlightenment. I'm going to find essence, and I felt like yeah, it was right? close. Uh-huh. And now I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, it's so, it's such, that's not even what we're going for necessarily. It's about day-to-day having, like, mm-hmm being conscious in who we are and it's it's never going to be easy like it's never going to reach a point where you're like oh yeah it's secondhand like it's always going to be work and we can become more practiced in it of course but yeah we've also been doing course in miracles so we're oh yeah (laughs) yeah and it's like there's not a there's not an end point i think that's what is so important to remember that it's like yeah, when we read about the Enneagram, we are we are closer to that like essence, right? And and then the more we work on it, like you have that kind of like, oh, I'm so excited by the new this new thing. I know so much, and then suddenly you get deeper, and you're like, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. But like the whole process is moving us more into that. Like the more we engage, hmm. um, but it's not a there's not a fixed point, right? Like it's a yeah. horizon line. We're always moving towards it, and it's always kind of scooting away, but still leading us into something that's you know, powerful and transformative. Quarantine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quarantine. How, oh my God. Yeah. Tell us about how you're doing in quarantine. I hate this. <laughs> I hate this with like every fiber of my being. This is my worst nightmare. I'm an eight. I'm also, I have a se- I have a very strong seven wing. I uh, am sexual subtype dominant, um, followed by social, then self-pres. <laughs> I hate being at home. Like I like I've organized my entire life around like really just kind of being home to like hang out with the kids and sleep. Right. Like I want to be yeah. out. I want to be doing things. Um, and so I think just kind of like on a fundamental level, it's very difficult for me. Um, there's all the, these issues that come up around like I, this, um, this real sense that like I've lost control of my mm-hmm. life, that like there are things out in the world that are affecting me that um, I can't stop, I can't control, I can't manipulate. Like um, it's really been a, it's been a difficult and interesting kind of movement into vulnerability for me. Um, I think a lot of times when AIDS, when we talk about AIDS and we talk about vulnerability, um, we talk about, the, the like soft squishy feelings. Right. So like being sad or being, uh, you know, like I just, I keep think thinking the word squishy, like that's, (laughs) you know, like that's what you think about when you think about being vulnerable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these tender feelings and, and like, as an, I really don't like those. I'll be very clear. 
but I think <laughs> the way avoiding vulnerability has shown up for me most in my life and what I'm getting a really like clear picture of during this pandemic is, uh, I mean, to be vulnerable is to be affected mm. by something else. And I think for me, so much of my type is built around not allowing myself to be affected or to feel affected by things that I can't control. Um, And so like, I mean, it's taken me like, I was actually kind of like trucking through the first like maybe four or five weeks of the quarantine, right? Like I was, you know, I started vlogging and I was, you know, putting out a lot of content and I was really kind of like, I was making it like interesting and fun and we were parenting our kids and I was still trying to like do some like work on the side and all this stuff was happening. And, and then it kind of, it slowed down to a stop where I really had to, um, I really came face to face with like how much this situation has impacted me and impacted me like negatively. So like Mm. uh, we, we lost our office, right? Like had an office where we um, where both my fiance and I saw clients couldn't pay the rent there. We shared it with like four other, three other like wellness practitioners who also couldn't pay rent. So we like had to move out of our office mm. um, and really pivot pretty extremely at our home and like put our girls all in the same bedroom and turn a room into this home office. And, um, you know, my partner is a massage therapist for her day job. And so she's been completely out of work yeah. for two months. Um, we, both of our girls, uh, our girls had, rats and both of them died in the like first month of quarantine um and now we have a cat in at the animal hospital with like a bladder and our animals have had the worst bout of fleas that i have ever experienced oh my gosh and so it's like it's and like and again none of these things are like as traumatic or awful as like losing a loved one or getting sick yourself Uh, and so like i'm very aware of like my privilege and my, um, you know, like the context that I'm coming from, it's like, it's not actually that bad, but there's something about all of these little things for me that I was really pushing off to the side. Right. Like, and even doing that, like, it's not that bad because, you know, because of all these reasons, like I'm so lucky. I'm so whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took a while for me to really acknowledge how much I was being affected by this and like how, deeply sad Mm. I am like at the state of the world and uh, you know like earlier this morning I was literally like I was just like laying on the floor because it feels like so much like a, a type that like is kind of structured around not feeling these things like in opening that door you feel so much like I've really been um I really had my eyes open to like how sensitive I am Mm. and that's not something I like saying (laughs) like I say it and immediately my stomach kind of turns and I'm like that's not true oh but it is true (laughs) and I'm like that's so amazing yeah Yeah, and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) and and like allowing myself to feel those feelings is not, um, it's definitely not second nature and it's definitely not easy for me, but is, I mean, it's necessary, um, to move through all of this, like all of the things that are happening. Um, 
And so I think, I mean, th those are some of the like really like key points that I'm like experiencing and like learning through this whole situation. I mean, there's so much more too, but these were the things that like really stood out to me that mm -hmm. like this is um, both very difficult and very directly related to my type structure for sure. You're being so good at being squishy right now. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll like, I'll go and do something later. So like, I'll probably like go and lift weights or I'll yeah. you know, like, and this has been an interesting thing too. Cause I'm also trying to finish my book. Um, like my deadline is in like a month, less oh than gosh. a month at this point. And, and so it's like, I have, I have about this much, very little focus to like get that, you know, focus on that. And then I have like this much capacity to feel these soft, squishy feelings. And then it's like, and then I have like this much capacity to like be present to my kids. And then I have like yeah. this much capacity to be present to my partner. And then it's like, I have to go and like off gas that, right? Mm. Like I have to like, my type is so reactive to it and is so like <laughs> averse to all of these situations that are like in direct conflict with how I want to move through the world. And so, you know, doing things like working out or, uh, you know, being out in nature or, you know, lifting weights, things that make me feel strong or whatever. Like I, I, I need those yeah. right now. Like I have to like, I have to be able to kind of titrate in between like allowing myself to feel comfortable and regulated and moving into the discomfort of acknowledging all this work um, that's kind of happening in and around me because without that kind of like ability to shift back and forth between the two, like I get super overwhelmed and then just shut down. Um, so a lot of self-awareness yes, there. I'm being yeah, squishy seriously. now. Yeah, yeah. But I will You're going to compensate for it later. You'll find You're get strong. Exactly. <laughs> no, I remember I, I, right before everything shut down, literally like three days, I reopened a membership at a climbing gym in large part. Cause I was being inspired by your post. I was like, Oh yeah, I got to get back to the climbing gym. I love that. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, I can't climb anymore. Yeah. And that's, ah! uh. <laughs> oh. I was just talking to my fiance about how much I missed climbing, like, it, like the way that my body feels when I do that. It's like, it's so ground. It's so like, it really, it, it kind of, appeases that part of me that like demands to be strong so that I can allow myself these more squishy feelings right like it's a it's kind of a both and like I'm not I don't know like I'm I'm allowing myself to feel strong and making situations where I feel strong physically in order to move into these places where I feel less strong like mentally and emotionally mm. um so good. Gosh, this is this yeah. is like gold. It is, it is. We're gonna have a hard <laughs> time editing. I know. I almost think we could release the whole thing as a bonus, though. I know, know that would be cool. Abby interview. Yeah. Um, why not? Yeah. yeah why I'm not? The bonus. Yeah, yeah, you're the bonus. <laughs> the real Enneagram person. No, I mean, I'm just so Macy. Four. I'm a five, and so I'm always so in awe of the assertive types. You know, three, sevens, and eights. I'm like, how do you do it? Where do you get the energy? I'm so. Low energy. We're not you know? thinking or feeling anything. <laughs> yeah. We're just going, right? As where we we're thinking and feeling, thinking and feeling, and we're counting that as doing stuff. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> yeah. we, we talked about it for three hours today. That was really that great. Was, we did so much. We didn't this do is anything. so productive, right? <laughs> yeah. We have we can convince ourselves we're really productive so easily. Yeah, 
Where did See, the I almost go? wish I had that because like I've spent most of this quarantine thinking that like I haven't done shit because I haven't been able to do the things that I normally do, right? Yeah. Like if talking about something is productive, then I've been great. But <laughs> good job. Happened in yeah. our eyes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, wild. That's funny. Should we end with advice? Yeah. Could you give just a few words of encouragement to other eights out in quarantine? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I guess I just want to say that, like, I just want to, like, speak from my own, like, like, don't make the mistakes that I've made and, like. Don't pick p- fights with your partner. Like, <laughs> don't like. Don't go looking for a conflict. Like, this is not the time for it. Like, and I, you hear it all the time. It's like, this is really a time to slow down. And for the people who have the ability and the capacity to actually slow down, like people who aren't essential workers or aren't caring for whatever, you know, um, like, AIDS are terrible at self-care. And I think really using this as a time to develop those habits as much as is possible, mm-hmm. I think is um, really important. Maybe that means taking a walk outside. Maybe that means taking a bath. Maybe that means journaling or starting with a therapist online or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and finding healthy outlets for your anger um, because it's not going to go away. Um, you're going to be really angry and, uh, if you're anything like me, like right after that, like angry outburst comes this like deep wave of sadness. Mm. Um, and it often feels too overwhelming to like deal with. And so finding healthier ways to channel your anger, whether that's lifting weights or, um, that, I don't know. I, Punching bags. I'm not great at like the <laughs> application of it right now. I'm just telling you what I've done, but Um, you know, like picking fights on the internet is not a healthy way to, uh, off gas the energy that is generated from your anger. Um, so, you know, finding healthy ways to deal with that and, um, you know, asking for help Mm. as, as much as you're capable, like, um, you know, my partner has been such a wonderful support to me, um, through this time because it's, we've gone through a lot of change. Like she used to make the most money. Now I'm the like, breadwinner and that's a huge shift for me and it's scary and it's stressful and you know all of these things but my partner's been super supportive in you know helping me to feel things and helping me she's a four and so she's like very attuned in that way um and can really support me and like I, I was doing a project yesterday and um got super mad and super frustrated because it was like this is bullshit product that I got and anyway, not important, but it, like, I was so upset and she gave me so much space to just like be upset. And it's like, it was clear to me after the fact that like, oh, I wasn't super angry about the project. I was just kind of angry in general. And the project was a really good place to put that. Um, and you know, there are healthier ways to deal with your anger than like throwing tools around your house. (laughs) But, um, you know, (laughs) my partner has really supported me in that. And, and asking, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for her help. And so I think find healthy ways to deal with your anger and manage and express your anger and um, ask people for help and support. I think most eights are really, um, I'm worried about that. It's scary. Um, but 
I, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, um, at who really steps in Mm. for you. Mm. That's so good. <laughs> I think a four and an eight are good, would be a good combo. I think so too. <laughs> it's intense. Yeah. I will say yeah. that. <laughs> I have a I have a dear friend who's a seven, <clears throat> who I um I chat with about you know basically everything. And you know, Daniel and I have had our our fair share, or maybe more so, of you know our relationship issues and and talking about us and our kids who we think might be an eight and maybe a nine or a four. Um, you know, my seven friend was like, there's not, there's a lot of intensity at your house, but there's not a lot of room for joy. Ah. And so like, I'm grateful for her influence and able to like bring the joy. I think we both, yeah. Like to bring the joy and to remind me that like, it's okay to be joyful and it's okay to, um, you know, joy doesn't have to be intense. We can, you know, and I think that's really good for Danielle and I to remember and to like bring to our parenting as well, because, like our kids are also super intense. Like, yeah. like our house is extremely intense. And so finding ways to like bring joy um, and ease and lightness into what, what we do. It's not like natural for us, but it's really important. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I feel like fours and eights could be in the name of being like real and authentic could be a little. Oh, work yeah. on it the gets joy. real yeah. in oh, our I can house imagine. quite a bit. <laughs> Man, Abby, Abby, it would be so fun to have you on again someday, like for a full eight episode. Yes. Yeah. I think we should. Yeah. Yay. I think we should. We've also so cool. done three episodes on gender, and that's another conversation we keep wanting to have more and more of. So that's another. Yeah. Um, there's so many, like, I mean, I was really influenced by your episode. I think you were at a conference where you were talking about queering the Enneagram. Yeah, I did a, um, I think I, I don't. I did the Shift Network's Global yeah. Summit. Um, and yeah, so talking about like bringing a queer perspective to the Enneagram and how like vital that is. I mean, especially now as it starts to get like super big, um, yeah. we got to make sure that it's not like completely colonized by True. <laughs> the like white evangelicals. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, but it, there's like, just so much there because you were talking about like kind of intersectionality and I think that's so much of what's going on here because like, I'm working for this group up here called Beloved Arise and Matthias mm-hmm. is on the yeah. board and Macy and I are hosting a youth group every Monday that's open and affirming. And we're talking about Enneagram. We're talking about all this stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, you're in the sweet spot of all the things we're like wanting to yes. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to come on yeah. whenever you guys have an eight episode or an episode on gender, whatever. It'd be really so cool. Fun. Yeah. Gosh. Man, thanks for taking the time. I yes, know this was kind of last so second. Much. Yeah. No, this was great. We're I'm a huge so fan glad of we yours. Got to work it out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Warm and fuzzies. I know. Thank warm you. and fuzzy squishiness. Yeah. Now we're going to go lift some weights. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, good luck exactly. on your book, too. That's yeah, really exciting. Good luck. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. Yeah. We'll be um, you. Okay, we're okay. going to go do some other interviews now. Thank you right. so much. This has been so Oh, do you want to take a picture? Oh, yeah. Do you mind if we take a quick picture? Yeah, go for it. Okay, ready? One. Two, three. Got it. Okay. All right. Thanks so <laughs> Thank much, Abby. So much. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Hey everybody, this is Scott here. I hope you liked that uh, little interview with Abby, the uncut uh, version. If you want to hear more from Abby, you can check out their podcast called Conscious Construction. And you can also give them a follow on Instagram. And if you are tuning in for the first time for this podcast, maybe just because you found us through searching Enneagram 8s, we have um, lots of lots more episodes on Enneagram. They're, they're usually like two episodes. Every five episodes, we do an episode on Enneagram. Uh, actually, this little interview that was pulled from our most recent 100th episode where we interviewed almost 30 people uh, through to, to talk about um, experiencing COVID through the lens of their Enneagram type. So that is episode 100. You can give that a listen. Uh, also, if you could follow us on Instagram, if you could repost episodes that you like, if you could give us a rating and review on iTunes or heck, even consider supporting us on Pandora. That would be fabulous. Um, but we've been doing this podcast for two years and we want to continue to see it grow and succeed and you can help. Um, anyways, thanks for listening and we will be posting our new episode (laughs) on what we talk about in between takes, uh, on Monday. Um, okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.